class, Nurse Kylie here. Welcome back to another episode of Nursing Accelerated. This week, we are going to focus on one type of hematologic disease, anemia. As we navigate this discussion, keep in mind concepts from previous content, courses, and even podcast episodes that may be useful in tying everything together. Today's discussion is again facilitated by Chapter 32 in Hinkle and Cheever's textbook for medical surgical nursing by Bruner and Studdarth. Let's get right to it. So there are actually several types of anemias, and they are classified based on causation. We're going to begin our discussion with what I'll call dietary anemias. Hypoproliferative is a type of anemia that is caused by deficiency, which results in defective red blood cell production. Vitamins such as B12, folate, and iron are found in our diets, and if they are lacking, can cause this type of anemia. Iron deficiency anemia usually results when a person does not intake enough dietary iron, which helps produce hemoglobin. It is the most common type of anemia and is prevalent in developing countries, those who are vegetarian, and sometimes in those who may have blood loss due to a parasite. Common symptoms include brittle nails, a red tongue, and angular chelosis. Some will even develop pica, especially eating ice chips. Once therapy is initiated, these symptoms usually resolve. Megaloblastic anemia is caused by B12 or folic acid deficiencies, which in turn creates very large red blood cells. Folate is found in green vegetables and liver, so oftentimes those who rarely eat raw vegetables meet their requirements and the stores within the body quickly deplete. Pregnant women, patients with liver disease, and those with chronic hemolytic anemias are encouraged to use a folic acid supplement because erythrocyte production is increased during these conditions. Other conditions causing malabsorption in the GI tract can also cause this deficiency. Vitamin B12 deficiency can be caused by an inadequate diet, think strict vegans, faulty GI absorption like in older clients or Crohn's disease, or via chronic use of histamine blockers, antacids, or proton pump inhibitors. Symptoms of these deficiencies are very similar and may even occur together. To tell the difference, those with just folic acid deficiency don't have any neurological symptoms. Now, these neurological symptoms can include coordination difficulty, loss of proprioception, and even paresthesias. A particular type of B12 deficiency, pernicious anemia, causes patients to develop oral sores and are seen on assessment. For both conditions, supplementation is warranted. As the nurse, it's important to pay attention to patient safety, including fall risk due to instability and needing the use of assistive devices, as well as further nutritional deficiency due to those painful sores. Sickle cell disease, or SCD, is an inherited disease in those who are descendants from Africa, the Middle East, the Mediterranean area, and Aboriginal tribes in India. Sickle cell anemia is the most severe form. The hemoglobin molecule, when exposed to a low oxygen tension, can become defective, change shape, and not be able to carry oxygen molecules effectively. Since those cells don't circulate normally and have an abnormal shape that can become, at times, rigid, cause pileups and cause blockages, which in turn causes ischemia or infarction. When that occurs, the patient may spike a fever, develop pain and swelling, indicating that they are in sickle cell crisis. If oxygen is administered, the rigidity of the hemoglobin decreases, causing it to revert to a normal shape, hence why the crisis is intermittent. 
Only certain conditions, including cold weather, can cause this crisis to occur. Now, there are three types of sickle cell crisis and include acute vaso-occlusive, aplastic crisis, and sequestration crisis. The most painful is the acute vaso-occlusive crisis as it occurs due to trapped erythrocytes and leukocytes in the microvasculature of the body and causes tissue hypoxia, inflammation, and necrosis. As you can imagine, this process is excruciating. The other types, aplastic crisis, occurs due to infection with the human parvovirus and hemoglobin levels quickly fall. Sequestration crisis occurs when other organs pool the sickled cells, and often the spleen, liver, and lungs are the ones to do this. Sickle cell disease has several complications that can arise. In children, the most common cause of death is acute chest syndrome. Fever, respiratory distress, and infiltrates are common indicators. Pulmonary hypertension, which was discussed in a past episode, is also a common occurrence in those with SCD. Symptoms include fatigue, dyspnea upon exertion, dizziness, chest pain, and even syncope. Unfortunately, if symptoms arise, it's often too late for treatment. Stroke is a horrible complication of SCD that affects many patients under the age of 20. Another finding is reproductive problems. In men, this means hypogonadism, which causes low testosterone, low libido, erectile dysfunction, and even fertility. For females, menstrual cycles are delayed and fertility is affected as well. Management of SCD is a primary focus of research and, as of today, there are few treatments and they don't really solve the problem. Another anemia grouping is thalassemias, which are a group of hereditary anemias characterized by hypochromia or an abnormal decrease in the hemoglobin content of erythrocytes, small erythrocytes, hemolysis, and anemia. There are two types, alpha and beta, where alpha occurs in those from Asia in the Middle East and beta occurs in those from the Mediterranean region. Regardless of type, severe anemia occurs with hemolysis and ineffective red blood cell creation. Organs become dysfunctional and neurological symptoms persist in those who are long-term survivors of this disease. I'm briefly going to mention glucose-6-phosphate dehydrogenase deficiency. G6PD deficiency is a deficiency in a gene that produces an enzyme to help red blood cell membrane stability. Without it, patients develop chronic hemolytic anemia as the red blood cells are destroyed due to their fragility. Immune hemolytic anemias result from erythrocyte exposure to an antibody. An example seen in nursing is the anemia that results from a hemolytic transfusion reaction. Immune hemolytic anemias are associated with other disorders in most cases. Treatment includes immunosuppressants or corticosteroids, as well as monoclonal antibodies, as well as transfusions. The last disorder of today's discussion is hereditary hemochromatosis, which, from the name, you can tell is an inherited disease where excess iron is absorbed from the GI tract. The excess iron is deposited into the liver, skin, and pancreas, but sometimes can be deposited into the heart, testes, and thyroid. Unfortunately, there aren't any symptoms of damage until the patient reaches middle age and begins to exhibit lethargy, arthralgia, weakness, and weight loss. The skin can look hyperpigmented from melanin, or sometimes from hemosiderin, which is an iron-containing pigment. 
It's not surprising that these patients need to limit their intake of iron and should not take iron supplements. Well, that wraps up today's discussion on anemias. In summary, many of these anemias can be prevented by having an adequate diet and others cannot be avoided as they are inherited. As nurses, it's our job to assess the patient and educate as needed. I hope this episode was helpful and I hope you listen to upcoming episodes that will focus on neoplasms or cancer. Until next time, keep on accelerating.